Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. So this entire episode was recorded last week when we were off. We'd received the screeners from Hulu and wanted to record it to have it ready to be released at 3 a.m. immediately after the episode aired. But obviously, given the tragic events that have occurred in Israel and Gaza over the past couple of days, there was no world in which we were going to release an episode and not speak on something that is so important to us. So as you know, we did not release an episode on Tuesday and we fully recognize and understand how strange of a transition it is going to be to go from talking about what we are talking about to then recapping a Kardashian episode, especially with this overwhelming feeling of this shit just does not matter. And believe me, like we feel that so, so deeply. Um, But as Em said, this was a pre-recorded episode from last week. And one, we have a contractual obligation to be releasing episodes. But second of all, we really hope that releasing this can hopefully provide a moment of levity amidst a really, really dark, scary time. We both have so many feelings and emotions regarding all of this, and we're really trying to think, what is the best way to convey what we're feeling? How do we want to talk about it? You know, of course we have the Instagram page where we have been posting constantly, but a podcast is a different medium. It's a, it's a totally different thing when you are talking to an audience. And where we ultimately landed was that in order to get our message across and to convey our words in the way that we felt best, we wanted to write a statement and then read it. So I'm about to read a statement that Julie and I wrote together that tries to put into words kind of all of our feelings and emotions surrounding all of this. Okay. We should not have to explain our feelings on the nuances of the most complex geopolitical conflict in the world. We should not have to tell you about the horror we felt as Israel elected a right-wing government to office in order to unequivocally and unapologetically mourn the lives of innocent civilians murdered, raped, and kidnapped at the hands of Hamas. We should not need to do that in order to cry for our own people, our Jewish people. The shock we feel from the response to this tragedy, both in our DMs and across social media, is unlike anything we've ever experienced before. It goes beyond a lack of sympathy for civilians massacred. We've seen celebrations, declarations that they deserved it, all of them, even the babies with their heads cut off. We've been called liars and propagandists for sharing news from credible sources. We've received death threats and been called things that don't bear repeating. And yet, we are so acutely aware of the position of privilege we are in, posting these stories and crying out from the safety of our homes in New York, away from the horrors currently taking place in Israel and Gaza. Our hearts break for the innocent Palestinian lives that have been and will be lost as a result of this conflict. Our hearts break for the families of those lost. Despite our love and support for Israel and our unbreakable belief that it has the right to defend itself, we have not and will not lose our own humanity in the way that those celebrating dead Jews so clearly have. We use the words dead Jews with intention here because that is what they are. You do not get to remove our Judaism and the identity of our people from this conflict. Because let us be clear, we do not get the option to ignore the words calling for the death of Jews in the Hamas charter. We do not get to ignore the chance of gas the Jews currently happening at rallies across the world. We do not get to ignore swastikas being held up at those rallies. We do not get to ignore the anti-Semitic attacks that take place on U.S. soil and across the world. We do not get to ignore the pogroms that were inflicted against our people, my family, the expulsion of Jews from the different countries they have inhabited throughout history, the Holocaust. 
We do not get to ignore the reality that history repeats itself. We do not get to ignore the fact that we are watching that unfold before our very eyes. We do not get to, nor will we ever, ignore the Judaism that connects us. We will not sit here and explain our position on every policy the Israeli government has. It's somehow understood everywhere else in the world, except for Israel, that a nation's government is not its people, just as Hamas is not the Palestinian people. As much more as there is for us to say on this subject, we want to end by making something abundantly and unequivocally clear. Israel's existence is not a political ideology. It is a fact. Its right to existence is not up for debate or discussion. It is fact. And regardless of how we or anyone else feels about any Israeli government, past, present, or future, Israel's right to exist and its ability to continue to exist is not and will not be up for debate. We will never stop standing with Israel, nor will we ever dim the pride we feel for being Jewish. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I love a Scott Disick opening scene. There is no better combo on this planet than Scott and Chloe. No, but I'll tell you, Kylie and Corey Gamble, not too shabby. Not too shabby. You are right about that. Okay. Scott and Chloe opening scene. First thing I want to say, actually a general comment on this episode, nothing overly important happened. It's not like we have the Kim Courtney phone call. However, they were in a lot of different settings. You know, this wasn't an episode where everything happened in two different locations. We were bopping around like crazy. I have a lot to say about this episode for like not the most climactic episode that somehow felt very climactic at the same time. Well, there were a lot of little conversations and little comments that can certainly be expanded upon. And that's what we live for. So we start off with Chloe at Scott's house and she's a little bit concerned about him given how he's doing after his accident. And she really wants to make sure that he's taking the steps to make sure he's in the best shape and kind of doing what he can, which we'll get into that in a second. But I do just want to say, Obviously, they're filming a show, but I really do believe it is very possible that Chloe would be the person that would be accompanying Scott to a doctor's appointment, cameras or no cameras. I agree, like 100%, because that is the relationship they have. And also, that is just who Chloe is, I think, to everybody in the family. But more than anything else, it's just like, if you need somebody to go to a doctor's appointment with you, Chloe is the best person to ask because most likely she'll be the only one in Calabasas. She's very around. She's overwhelmingly around. Yep. Yeah, which if you're Scott, by the way, you deeply appreciate that quality. Of course. So after they decide that Chloe's going to be taking him to the doctor, they're kind of just sitting down catching up and Scott brings up Tristan, which I for one was thrilled about because out of maybe anyone in the family, my favorite person to watch Chloe discuss Tristan with is Scott. Me too, because there's such a levity that Scott brings to the whole thing. At his core, Scott is such a yenta. He is in it for the info from Chloe. He is in it for the gossip. And when Chloe first walks into his house, she says in confessional, like, you know, there's always something for me and Scott to sit down and gossip about. And that's the tone of the conversation whenever they talk about Tristan. And I also think that you can see how comfortable Chloe is with Scott. And I think out of every, you know, it's interesting because I would say, I think out of everybody in the family, Scott is so non-judgmental to the point where I think she feels comfortable talking to him, but it seems like the rest of the family is pretty non-judgmental of Tristan these days regardless. Oh, a thousand percent. But I think also, you know, like you said, the levity aspect, Scott literally says, so are you getting that sausage? Which we know that that's not happening. Like I truly believe in the deepest part of my soul, Chloe and Tristan are not sleeping together, have not slept together in a little while. But there's something about Scott asking that that obviously prompts a response from Chloe. And here, she wasn't defensive. I think that she was actually explaining it pretty calmly and she was really honing in on the co-parenting to which Scott responds, you know, listen, the fact that you guys are able to be close and be with your kids, it's a great scenario. I've been there. Obviously referring to him in Courtney's former situation. And not even to compare because we're talking about two very different situations here. However, I do think that for Chloe, who is figuring out what this new co-parenting reality looks like, talking to Scott, who has been there, granted in a very different way, there's probably something a little bit comforting about that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's so interesting to hear Scott even make reference to that because- It feels illegal. It feels illegal for him to even mention Corny, doesn't it? And it's like, it's almost like he- 
when he says that, like that, and I've been there, it's almost like he's talking about somebody that we don't know. Like he's just the character that popped into the season talking about a past situation that we as the audience aren't aware of, like, because it just feels so removed. But also it feels like he's talking about something that happened so long ago and it's, and it, it really hasn't been that long. Like I was watching old episodes of them when they weren't together, but they were co-parenting together and they were really like best friends and they were in such a good place. And it wasn't that long ago that it was the case. And it's just so interesting to hear him make reference to it in a way that feels so detached from something that like we knew so well at the time. No, which was the reality for a really long time and now feels like an entirely different life. I did just want to say though, when Scott's joking with her and he makes a sausage comment, I did think something that was telling in terms of how far we've come on our Chloe and Tristan journey was like my reaction to watching that. Meaning I did, there was no rise out of me when Scott made that comment. And there was totally a world after Chloe and Tristan had broken up a while ago, where if someone said that, I would have been like freaking out internally of like, oh fuck, please tell me there's no chance that that's going on. Whereas now it was just like comedic relief and not even for one second did I consider the idea that Chloe and Tristan would be actively sleeping together. Like I truly do not feel in this moment that that's going on at all. No, I know. And I truly believe that not to be the case as well. Although something I will say about Chloe throughout the course of this episode is that while she's very firm with her boundaries with Tristan, where she stands with him, emphasizing the fact that they are not together. I wouldn't say the same energy that we would expect her to have in terms of never being with him again was necessarily carried throughout this episode. Well, that's what I wanted to say to you because in her confessional here, she says, I don't know what five or 10 years will bring. If he's my person, then he's meant to be my person. But right now I'm not gonna make my life any harder than it has to be. So yes, I'm gonna have as much of a seamless, fantastic co-parenting relationship as I can. Obviously, that was a callback to last week's episode when her and Tristan are having that conversation. He says, you know, you're my person and why am I putting you through this if you're my person? And then the producer asks her in her confessional, you know, does it upset you when he refers to you as his person? And she's like, honestly, a little bit, because if I was your person, why are you treating me like this? And I just want to say, and like, I, I am saying this truly with as little judgment as possible and more so just acknowledging a little bit of a vibe shift. Like, Chloe, even saying here, you know, I don't know what five or 10 years will bring. If he's my person, then it's meant to be like, that is not a sentence that Chloe last year would have said. And I just think that we should acknowledge that again, truly in this moment, I do not believe for one second that she's considering getting back with him. I don't think they're sleeping together, but I do think something shifted inside of her. And I don't know exactly what that is. I'd be happy to explore or hypothesize where she's maybe a little bit more open to the possibility than I think she was exhibiting previously. Yeah, I think so too. And I think something that we see with Tristan a lot is this continuous pattern of fucking up so terribly, realizing how terribly he fucked up, doing all of the work to overcome that fuck up, only to fuck up again. And I think maybe for Chloe, she feels like this time or this version of Tristan, not that you know, there's any immediate plan or there's any thought that she would get back together with him. But maybe this time having suffered the loss that he suffered and grown from that, that maybe there is the possibility that there is a permanent change there. I don't know if that's the case. I like to believe that that's the case, not for Chloe to get back together with him, not for any sort of future that they could ever or should ever have. But I do hope for Tristan's sake that he is somebody who is really capable of change and somebody who can genuinely learn from his own mistakes and his own fuck-ups and not do that again to whoever he is with and not do it to himself because he doesn't like the person he is when he does those things. And so I do think it's interesting to kind of watch Tristan on what feels like a never-ending journey, but like hopefully... It, it, there is there is something that comes from this. Chloe says it, like, I think it was in that last episode where she says, like, I hope that when you say you've learned from this and there's so much growth that you've done that you're doing it for yourself and that, like, the feeling of losing me and how terrible that felt inspires you to change and actually inspires change, not because you feel like there's a prize at the end. And that's what I really feel for Tristan, too. I mean, obviously, Sam, I don't wish harm on the guy. I, I just... My most honest feeling on it is that 
Something Chloe talks about often in this episode, but generally speaking, and a lot of the time she does it in a rather comedic way, is feeling kind of exhausted by the events of her life. Of course, feeling grateful for everything she has, but also feeling like her life is just a little bit of a shitstorm and somehow all this stuff keeps happening to her. And I get that. She's been through a lot for sure. But what I wouldn't want to happen is that energy then translating into her taking what she views as the quote easy route, meaning just going with Tristan because honestly, it makes life a lot easier after all this. Like that if if there's a world in which she decides to get back with him, that cannot be the reason. It can't be because you know what? It's just a lot easier after all this shit. I really would want it to be because for whatever reason, even if we fundamentally disagreed with it, she felt in her soul that that was the right decision and that was how she was the most loved and respected and adored. And that was where her passion was. Like all this stuff that I can't envision, but like if that was the case, I'd rather that than her saying, you know what? fuck it. Everything else is so difficult. Let me just be with the guy who I had kids with, who's trying to get back with me, who my family's into. Like, let's just, let's just cut our losses here. And I fear a little bit when I hear her say something like this, like, is she opening her mind to that possibility because she's so exhausted from the other events? And I just would never want that to be the core of the reason. I could not agree more. I mean, kind of just to prove that point when Scott says to her, you know, what's going on with you in your dating life? Can you even date? Do you date? And she's like, I don't have the fucking energy. Once everyone's asleep, I'm just thinking, God, I can't believe it's Groundhog Day tomorrow. That's what I think. Like to me, that sentence is exactly what I was just talking about in terms of, I don't want her general exhaustion to be the thing that then pushes her into Tristan. And this mindset that she's communicating here with Scott, and I'm not saying that's always her mindset, but what she's communicating in this one scene would maybe give a little bit more life to the possibility that that could be part of the thing that contributes to it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing we talk about a lot with Chloe's dating, where even if she isn't with Tristan, there is obviously some sort of a hold it is going to have over her dating life or the possibility of finding what else is out there, especially if he is living in her home. Well. That's a whole other thing. We'll we'll hold off on that conversation until we get into the Chris discussion, but I have a lot to say there. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Listen, there's not a hell of a lot to say about Kim in Miami at the Sky Partners meeting, aside from the fact that, of course, this entire venture is highly impressive. But the fact that she decided to wear the latex pants and then the latex pants rips to the point where Chris and Tracy are taping the latex to her bare ass. That is to me, the definition of like, get you a girl who can do both. Here she is in full businesswoman mode on this paddle. Meanwhile, her bare ass is out because she was committed to wearing the latex because that is the most true Kim K fashion. And that is why forever she is my favorite. M, I couldn't have said it better myself. This is like Kim's version of, you never know what battle other people are fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> you don't even know that I'm sitting here like full breeze up my ass. No, and by the way, these guys would die if they did. Yeah, it's like, I, I can't imagine having been at that conference and then seeing the footage. Right. Or like, I guess most people don't think twice about it. Like, oh, that's so crazy that that happened. Meanwhile, I would have like needed a 17-part documentary. Yeah, obviously. Okay, so next scene, Chris and Tristan. By the way, don't think that I didn't conveniently noticing Chris cleaning her counters with her safely. Duh, that's my businesswoman right there. So she says in her confessional, Chloe and Tristan definitely have worked out this rhythm. Wherever he's needed, he's running the kids around, he's doing the errands, and it doesn't hurt that he's really tall. Anyway, he comes in, he's helping her clean a little bit. They're talking business and she makes a comment about his ESPN role. And in her confessional, she says, I was able to reach out to ABC and Disney and really express how talented I thought Tristan was and how they would really benefit from him being a part of the ESPN team, which as we know, he's an NBA analyst for ESPN. But anything else aside, like we see so much of Chris and Tristan's relationship in terms of the way that she views him as a former partner of Chloe slash a current co-parenting partner of Chloe slash as a father. But we don't really see much about the way she views him from a business perspective. Like I wasn't actually aware that she was managing him. And 
this was kind of them cueing us into the fact that like, yes, she is. Well, it's interesting because we saw Tristan in that role on ESPN, I feel like. And I don't think at the time I thought twice about the fact that he was doing that. I didn't think about Chris having any involvement in that whatsoever. And I have to say, Chris is not wrong about that being the case. Like Tristan is excellent television. He is so charismatic. We would not be in this position with Tristan that we are in if that wasn't the case. And so I think there are times where we see Chris praise him in a way which feels a little unnatural and makes us kind of question a lot of things. But I think that her feeling that he has a fitting role on television and also helping him do that is like the least surprising thing in the entire world to me. Well, that's what I was going to say. Out of all of the things that she praises him for, like, yeah, this is one that I can get behind. Not that I know anything about what makes a successful NBA analyst. Spencer, if you're listening, perhaps you could help us with that. But like, <laughs> but like, I, I did get what she's saying. I'm like, yeah, that tracks. I get that. Yeah, I mean, but also the other thing with Chris is that, you know, you have Tristan who is involved in her life, in Chloe's life, in her grandchildren's life. Like one thing about Chris, like she's going to make sure you have a job. Exactly. Which is the perspective that I sometimes feel gets lost in all of this. But in her confessional, she says, we know Tristan has made some mistakes, which I say like, we know, do you know? But <laughs> I know he's really sorry for the way he hurt Chloe. And I'm sure that he regrets all of those mistakes every single day. Really the most important thing for everyone right now is raising those kids. And I worry that Chloe, with this change of Tristan moving out, there's going to be a void there. All right. We need to deep dive this for a second. I was born ready to do that. So to be honest with you, Prior to this episode, because obviously last week they were having the same conversation about Tristan living with Chloe, given that his house is still under construction. And obviously, you know, with everything going on with Amari and after the loss of his mom, it's, yes, because of the house, but also it kind of just makes sense in terms of that feeling of community. And never for one second did I have the thought of what that would be like for Chloe after the fact. I was coming at it from the angle of like, Tristan is potentially delaying this a little bit because obviously for him, he would much rather be living with Chloe than not be living with Chloe, which if I'm him, I totally get. The way that they're framing it this episode, Chloe herself, even when the producer asked her, like she, while complaining about it actively, has also gotten very accustomed to it and very comfortable to it. And similar to what I was saying earlier about like, I would never want her feeling this general exhaustion with the events of her life to be the thing that pushes her to get back with Tristan. I would also not want her getting comfortable with the idea of living with him and maybe some of the ease that that brings her to then be the reason that she would get back with him because now not having that, she's going through this difficult transition. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever she ends up doing, no matter what it is, I'm going to support her. But like, let's make sure it's not because of a transition that shouldn't even have been a transition in the first place is making it more difficult for you. It's always just interesting to hear the tone in which Chris talks about the whole situation. I mean, and it also then gives you a little perspective as to what we were dealing with when it came to Courtney and Scott, I think, and the rest of the family. And I think it does give us a little bit better of an understanding of kind of the aftermath of the relationship once Courtney started dating Travis and her and Scott didn't have that same relationship anymore. But, you know, when Courtney and Scott were really close and co-parenting together, but not together, obviously the way the whole family felt and made very abundantly clear is that they would have loved to seen them back together. It's the way that we felt at a certain point. A lot of the public kind of started to get on board with that, especially once the family was expressing their desire for that to happen. And I think that now being able to see the way that the Chloe and Tristan situation is being handled, for us, we have a much stronger reaction to hearing that said about Tristan because, you know, we saw the things that he did to Chloe play out in such real time. We saw the cheating scandals. We saw the effect it had on her. We saw exactly what he did. A lot of the things that Scott did and a lot of his indiscretions were things that we weren't privy to. A lot of it we were. A lot of it was during the deepest, darkest time of his life. And I think that he deserves a lot of grace for what he went through during that time. But I also think there was a lot of shit that happened with Scott that we just don't know about. And so to kind of watch the family's attitude towards Chloe and Tristan potentially in some scenario getting back together and the fact that despite what he did to her, the family clearly wouldn't be that opposed to it. 
it kind of gives you a little perspective of like, maybe it wasn't so great the way that they were acting towards Scott and Courtney in terms of wanting them back together at that time, instead of just encouraging a really healthy co-parenting relationship. Well, it kind of just ties into the ongoing theme of Chris being potentially overly forgiving to the men in their lives, given their wrongdoings. Obviously, some of that must be connected to the guilt that she felt after her affair with Robert. And you know, maybe in some ways how she wishes that that marriage could have stayed together despite everything that went down. Like to say that that doesn't play a role in the way that she views these situations to me would be entirely false. So yeah, there's a lot of other things going on here, but I think that that in addition to the fact that Chris really feels the weight that Chloe feels in terms of like, she sees just the intensity of what Chloe carries on a daily basis. And I think what she wants for her so badly is partnership. And in this moment, here is Tristan, who is more than willing, more than wanting partnership with Chloe. They've all seen how it could look. And Chris has this ability, and I'm not saying it's, it is a good thing necessarily, but it is certainly an ability to really put on rose-colored glasses with this whole thing. And I, I truly think in this moment, if you were to ask Chris, she would rather Chloe be with Tristan than Chloe be single. It's interesting. I I kind of agree. Do you think that she would say that? If you were to ask Chris that that question exactly, what do you think her response would be? Like worded exactly like that, would you rather Chloe be single or be with Tristan? I don't think she would f- admit to that, but I do think that deep down she feels that way. I mean, I think she wouldn't say no. I think that she would probably say, well, you know, Tristan has really shown a lot of growth and they do have a great thing going and Chloe's house is a lot to, to handle. And, you know, when she has someone there to to do with her, I think that it, you know, can make her life more enjoyable and easier. And Chloe already is going through so much that to have someone there for her in that capacity is what she deserves. Like, I think Chris would give an answer like that, that doesn't entirely shut it down. And again, comparatively speaking, like this is her mom. And then there are people like us who only know her from the show. Like, I'm not saying that I know better than Chris. I'm just saying it's very interesting given the hell we know that he has put her through. And she talks about this so openly in terms of like her 30s have been hell. Like she says it to Scott when, again, when they go to the doctor, she said it in that first episode when they're in Cabo. Like she she says it when she makes that comment on every day being Groundhog Day. It's like she just describes this exhaustion of, what he has put her through. And she describes each and every day of that and each and every day of her thirties in relation to that in relation to the other things that have gone on and the other events of her life as being like these really draining experiences. And I just think it's interesting that like, you know, she can talk about it in that way and also, you know, figure out a way to be with Tristan and be his friend and see the good in him but also the fact that her family is hearing her say, my 30s are hell. What Tristan put me through was hell. Every day as a result of that has kind of been hell and be like, well, it's nice to see him change. Like, I don't know. I don't know the situation here. It's very hard. It's very hard to watch as a viewer and have the feelings that you have while also trying to respect that the people that know her best to know the situation closest, obviously have a little bit of a better perspective. It's just, I'll never yeah. say that I'm going to be fully on board with it because I'm just not. I don't believe that Chloe could ever enter a relationship with Tristan and feel entirely safe. And I think that for anyone, but specifically for Chloe, she needs to feel entirely safe in a relationship. And I don't believe that it is physically possible to ever feel that way truly with her entire being after what he put her through. Like, I think literally her heart is imprinted with things that our subconscious, you know, her body went through some shit processing that. And it's like, I want what she wants, but I fucking hope this is not what she wants. I know. Me too. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. 
So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time, with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So They immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it really is designed for long-term retention. Also speech recognition. So they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient. There are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. Okay, so we now have Kim and her pre-Milan fitting. And really the point of this scene is kind of just to touch on what we were mentioning earlier, which is Chloe's hesitance in leaving Calabasas and Kim's kind of frustration with that. You know, Kim says in her confessional, Chloe has a certain energy about her when she goes to Milan. She's way more carefree, way more light, and the drama's not around. I think my one thing that I really wish for Chloe is that she would experience life outside of Calabasas. And as we know, Kim's trying to get Chloe to come. She FaceTimes her. She ends up not coming. But the, the point of this is like, it's not just something that we picked up on. It's also something Kim and the rest of them notice. And on top of that, it's something Chloe notices. It's not like they're all sitting there explaining to Chloe the way that she was when she was in Milan and she doesn't get it. She fully gets it. Like she's on board and she loves that version of herself. And I think for Kim, something that is frustrating because of how much she loves Chloe. It's like, I want you to have this energy always or as much as you can. And like, if you're not going to have it home, at least don't strip yourself of the opportunities to go have it elsewhere. Like I so get that if I'm Kim and I'm her ride or die, wanting her to have that as much as possible. No, I know. And I think it's so funny because we've been having this conversation so often about how like one thing about them, one thing about that family, they are going to chase a vibe. And I feel like Kim is chasing that vibe for Chloe. And I feel like Chloe is so acknowledging of the vibe. And I think Kim is just like, I want you to chase the vibe. Like I see the vibe. The vibe is the number one goal. Like I see it for you and I want you there. And it is just so funny to like have these conversations about how that's always like (laughs) the level that they are on and to see them do exactly that and like crave a a quote vibe in that way. But also the fact that they're like a hundred percent right about it. Like there is a difference with Chloe. There is a lightness. There was something that we noticed with Chloe that was just so undeniable when she was there. And like the race to get that back is so funny to watch them talk about. What I find to be a kind of funny side element to this is that what Kim identifies as this version of Chloe is Milan Chloe. You know, it's something that only comes out of Chloe when she's in Milan. And obviously the last time they were there was for this very special event, D&G rolling out the red carpet, Kim's putting on this entire show. And here they are, you know, five-star treatment. Meanwhile, here's Kim saying like, I am literally recreating that experience for you. You just get on my private plane. We get to Milan, we get off. We have the full red carpet treatment for two days and then you're right back. It's like, 
under normal circumstances, you would not be able to recreate that exact unique once in a lifetime experience that brought out the specific version of someone. Meanwhile, for Chloe, it's like, no, we can literally do this. Like Dolce & Gabbana will do this for us again. And then as many times after that as you want, which I think is funny. It's like, they're chasing something that actually can be recreated kind of as much as she wants. I know it's, it is funny, but you know what it is though? Also is like Milan, Chloe is the new Miami Chloe. Right. It's like to you newcomers, it's maybe Milan, Chloe. We knew it. It was Miami, Chloe. And I'll tell you which one I would take a hundred times over. Oh my God. A hundred out of a hundred. Anyway, we now go to Milan. Kim's in multiple different fittings. I have to tell you her in that beige skirt set took me out. I love her with the bangs. I can't lie. I know. I wasn't entirely sure how I felt, but after watching this episode, I think I'm into it. I think they're a look. Anyway, the kind of two things that they're trying to tell us with this scene, number one, Kim's FaceTime with Saint, where he's telling her about his outing with Tristan. As we know, we've been set up now to understand that Tristan has a real involvement in not just true and dream in Tatum's life, but also... Kim's kids' lives. And then second of all, Kim talking about how, you know, Courtney sent her a picture of their father and kind of just making a comment of like, listen, we're not going to be in that fight forever. And we have a very brief confessional cameo of Courtney where she kind of reiterates that. It is so interesting to hear Kim and Courtney talk about this fight in retrospect and specifically Kim, because It makes me feel so validated in the reaction that we had to it, which was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is kind of as low as it goes because you can kind of see them at this point where like, they haven't necessarily figured it out yet. They haven't done the work seemingly so of like digging deep as to why they both feel this way about each other. But they kind of know they hit a point that was so low that like, in order to ever be able to come back from it, they kind of had to just completely switch gears and like work on not mending or fixing their relationship, but like getting back to a point that they were both familiar with. Well, yeah. I mean, in the simplest terms, like it's only up from here because down is just not an option. Right. I will say it's such a minor thing, but one of my favorite moments from this episode is when Kim is on the balcony of the DNG store in the beige skirt outfit, looking out onto the crowd. And she says, you know, this shit will never get old. Let me say that. Because that is the kind of thing that I'll never get tired of hearing her say, where it's like, obviously from what we see, these types of crowds and this type of public reaction is par for the course at this point. But I love hearing her acknowledge that it's still exciting and whether or not it really is. And I do believe that it really is, but I, I never want her to stop saying that because it makes me feel as though she is not as jaded as one may think she is. Even if she is, I still want to believe and hold on to the fact that like, there's a part of her that still finds this to be exciting every single time. I believe her. Like I, 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 I genuinely believe though, like also if your one goal in life is fame and Kim's one goal in life was fame, I don't think you then get sick of like being reminded of that fact. And I think it's a little bit different when maybe you're an artist or you're an actor and your main goal was to like be the best at your craft and the fame kind of comes with it. And so, yeah, maybe the crowds are a reminder of that, but it's, it's, your craft and the thing you're doing and what you're famous for that you are most closely connected to. And so maybe the crowds at a certain point do get old because it's not the thing that you crave the most. Whereas I think for Kim, there is an element of it, especially overseas, especially in a place where it's not like she is the number one celebrity there. It's not like she can say like she's Milan's quote, royal family, the way that we kind of throw that term around here. I think to see people in crowds in a place that isn't her home, cheering her on and giving her that understanding of worldwide fame is truly something that never gets old because it is a constant reminder of that fame. Especially when it comes to something like DNG, meaning the high fashion world, because that's something right. for so many years she herself and everyone around her told her was unachievable. Right. I had that exact thought when she was up there. I said, I just love seeing her interacting with this crowd. I love seeing her feeding off of the crowd. And for me, it doesn't get old either. And so when she said it, I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's both doesn't get old. And then hearing her say it doesn't get old, doesn't get old. Yes. I also just realized we accidentally skipped over the Corey D&G dinner scene. And what I want to say there is, even though it was maybe a total of four minutes, Kylie has such a camera presence. 
I mean, um, my favorite subject in the whole world. Like when, you know, Chloe's in disbelief that Kylie shows up and she's like, yeah, I mean, you canceled your glam. So I thought there's no way. And Kylie's like, I did my own glam. Just that immediate moment where she walks out of the elevator, sees that camera, and it's like a magnet. In that one moment, you see all of the personality that she has. And I just don't get sick of seeing her on our screen. And I actually think that it's so interesting to see her more and more this season and see how comfortable she is with being on the show. Because I think there's a part of her that likes it a little more now than she did previously. And I think that also goes into her saying that she feels like herself again. And I think the more that she starts to feel like herself and the more she gets in touch with that social side of her and that, you know, so good in front of a camera side of her, the more she wants to kind of be on the show. I think she loves that people see this version of her and connect to it so much. I was going to say to you, I think that she is even surprising herself with how much she's enjoying this. Like, I don't think she expected to re-enjoy filming in this way. Yeah, I think so too. Also, when, you know, they're having the conversation with Malika and Chris and Malika saying to Chris, you know, Kylie, she's just radiating and she's really herself and all of these things. Obviously, in the back of my mind, I'm like, and where's Timothy Finn in all of this? Not in terms of him bringing that out of her. That is not what I mean. But in terms of like them possibly meeting when she is in this place and and potentially them only being able to meet because she's in this place meeting, maybe there's something to be said for her really needing to separate from the on and off again situation she had with Travis and really step into this new era of her life that feels liberating and feels like she's back to a part of herself that she maybe felt like she lost a little. Like, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of that, but it's certainly something that I was thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things because listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm never gonna be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events and I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there's sometimes you gotta wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the no-show balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the dropdown menu that follows. Okay, so one thing about me, I'm gonna get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically wanna talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Okay, so we now have Chloe and Scott at the doctor's appointment, the follow-up to the doctor's appointment. Really the main takeaways from this scene are number one, Chloe and her confessional, which goes into what we were saying earlier when she says, 
I mean, what happened between Tristan and I was a very traumatic experience. Then there was surrogacy, cancer scares, but I just think there's no way this can continue into my 40s because I might snap one day. I'm just excited. So let a girl be excited. And please don't make me think too hard about it because I don't know what I'm expecting and I just want it to be great. Which, listen, the, the last thing I'm ever going to make you do is think too hard about it. I, I would love nothing more than for you to lean into this excitement. But then, like funniest line of the episode is when Chloe and Scott are standing outside of the doctor's office. They're talking to the cameras, very documentary style, very OG housewives on-site confessional style. And he's joking and he's like, you know, maybe on my 40th birthday, uh, we'll get lucky, like making a joke about them hooking up. Like that is a line of humor that never gets old to me. The thing I want to say to them is like, how much of a joke is this? Like, how much of a joke are we talking here? Like, can we just have an open, honest conversation about what that could potentially look like? Right. Like, by the way, you guys don't have to say you're kidding because we're down. If you're down, we're down. We don't think it's weird. Even if you're not down, I'm down. (laughs) Actually, we are way more down than you even think there's a possibility to be down. Yeah, there's no even if. Like, I'm so fucking down. Sorry. 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 (laughs) I don't think it would be that. Like, yes, it would be fucking bizarre, but like, it would make so much sense. Like, it would be weird for a minute, but I think that, like, I don't know. Like, I could see myself, like, thinking it's weird for a second and immediately getting over it, and I could see everybody having that same reaction, too. I think that people would really surprise you with the way that they reacted to it. I think it would be the biggest story on the internet. I think people would freak out, and then they would have this moment of going, well, and then your TikTok would be flooded with videos of their best moments together and showing how much chemistry they have and showing all the times they've joked about hooking up with each other. And everyone would say like, it was in the cards the whole time. Or like, we saw all the signs, we just missed them. Like, I'm telling you, like the internet would need a couple of hours to process before they got on board. Just it, that's it, just a couple of hours. I'll tell you the person in this whole thing that would be the most shook is not Courtney, by the way. I actually think Courtney could not give less of a fuck. It's Tristan. Yeah. Like talk about out of left field. Tristan's expecting maybe any other guy to come into the mix. He is not expecting for Scott to come in and take that away from him. If I'm Tristan, I'm like, you know, he's like 5'10", right? (laughs) No, Julie, if I'm me, that's what I'm saying. How tall is Scott? I would say like 5'11", maybe. I'll give him six feet. No, he's 5'11". Just let him have it. Listen, nothing wrong with five. I'd rather, I'd much rather someone own their 5'11 than round up when not applicable. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're now back in Milan. A lot of Milan here. A lot, like I said earlier, a lot of back and forth. We are bouncing. Oh my God. We're in different time zones. So Kim's at the DNG show and she's saying like, it is so nice to just be an observer, which obviously I have never had the experience of putting on an entire fashion show and having to walk down a runway. Like I so get what she says. That was such an anxiety provoking experience, but I do know what it's like to go to an event as a major participant and then to go to an event as just an observer. And there is nothing like going as an observer after you have had such an integral role. It is so much more enjoyable than if you were to go as an observer, having never had that role, because you are so aware of what it could be. I mean, it's a very unique circumstance, but like, yes. <laughs> it's like how I feel going to an event where I've been to that very same event having to give a speech and then I go not having to give a speech and it's like, oh yeah, I can just like chill. I was going to say like my bat mitzvah. Like it was so nice to go to someone else's. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, the Chloe thing comes up again because Kim runs into Michelle Maroney and she's saying, you know, this is why I wanted Chloe to be here, which again, even though we kind of discussed last season, it was like definitely a little bit cloud chasery vibes. He's so fucking hot. Not saying I want Chloe to be with him, but like certainly for a little one night fling, that could be very much fun. But when Kim's saying in her confessional, you know, this is one of the reasons I wanted Chloe to be here. Like we're getting the whole Milan crew back together. I was like, that's how I feel. Like when I'm seeing all of them, I'm like, yeah, wait, you guys, we had so much fun last season. Yes. It's like, like your birthday. Like, oh my God, we're getting the whole crew back. Right. It's like, we only see each other once a year. Yeah. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. 
I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. We now go to the final scene, which was Chloe, Tristan and Amari at Chloe's house. And I want to say, first of all, like this is prime example of why them having the show is so important for us as as viewers and, you know, Kardashian enthusiasts and consumers, because like some of the other stuff, maybe you would get bits and pieces. You would never be present for a long form conversation between Chloe and Tristan when Amari is there in her home discussing, you know, what it's like in the wake of his mother passing and him being the sole caregiver for Amari. Like this is a very, very intimate conversation that we are getting a view into. And I'm very appreciative of that. But I thought what was so interesting here was when, you know, Chloe's talking about what it was like for her in the aftermath of Robert's death and how she was like, I couldn't even take care of myself. You know, I just wanted to be depressed and that was okay. And for you, you know, yeah, you have to be strong for yourself. And you also have this role of needing to be strong for him. And I just think that something that kind of gets lost in this discussion is that while the circumstances are very different, Chloe can relate to losing a parent at a young age, not in as unexpected of a way as Tristan did, but still rather quickly. And not saying she wouldn't have been like this no matter what, because I do believe she would have, but there's also a piece of this where like it's pulling on a very specific heartstring of hers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, we've also seen Chloe on a grief journey. You know, when we first started the show, it had only been about five years since their dad had passed away. Like it wasn't a long period of time that he was gone for when we were then introduced to the family, although it kind of, I think, felt that way sometimes. And so, of course, when we were first watching the show, it's not like Chloe was in these very early stages of grief. It's not like she had just lost her father. She had had a couple of years to process it. But, you know, when she says, you know, it took me three years to even see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's only two years after that, that we were then introduced to Chloe. And so we've seen the way that she has changed and grown and the different (laughs) hardships in her life. But just like with all of them, we kind of started off at a place where like the loss of their father was still pretty fresh. And I think that we've seen that specifically from Chloe time and time again. Absolutely. And you know, I think that from Tristan's perspective, he would be grateful for Chloe's support in this time, no matter what. But there is something that feels specifically comforting when you lose a parent, knowing that the person helping you through it has also been there. And yes, everybody's individual journey with grief is very unique to them, but there is a certain understanding that you can only have if you too have lost a parent specifically at a younger age. And like, 
yeah, from Chloe's perspective, potentially it gives her a level of empathy that she would have, it probably has in a different way. But from Tristan's perspective, I also think it's one of the reasons he feels so safe with her. Oh, definitely. And by the way, not just her, Kim, like they've, all of them have been there. Right. Also, you know, something that Chloe says here in her confessional is, I don't know if this sounds really dark and I don't know if anyone will understand it, but I'm going to say it. I feel like I'm equipped with the tools because of what I went through with Lamar, who couldn't walk, who was bedridden, who couldn't speak for months. And she's talking about that in terms of dealing with everything going on health-wise with Amari and obviously the way that they are navigating this and, and trying to equip him with the best care. But I, I always still, to this day, get a little bit caught off guard for a moment when she mentions Lamar. I do too, especially by name. And we've kind of had that conversation with all of them talking about their exes. Like, you know, when Kim says Kanye instead of my ex-husband, if if Courtney were to say Scott instead of like my ex, if Courtney were even to say my ex, I think that I would be like, holy fuck, what's going on? Which is the craziest thing. But um, yeah, I think there is something about her talking about that situation and I think a lot of the times when we watch the show, we separate it by season and we separate it by the Kardashians versus keeping up with the Kardashians and where they were at what time and what was going on in their lives then. And it's almost like watching a scripted TV show where it's like, oh my God, I forgot about that plot point. Like that was her real life. Like that was a major, major heartbreaking, of draining, huge event that she went through. And I think sometimes when we hear her talk about it, it's almost like, Oh, you remember that happening too? When it's like, of, of, how is she not talking about it all the time almost? I know, I know. And when she's talking about it with Tristan, she says, you know, with my ex-husband, when he was in a coma and she's talking about how some of the doctors would say that he couldn't hear certain things, but she knew that he could. And when he woke up, he recalled her playing certain music. But it, it it's so true what you just said in terms of like, we have this ability to kind of compartmentalize and and view these seasons from the way that we've experienced it as a viewer. Meanwhile, this isn't a season for her. Like these are actively events that she lived through and was traumatized by and obviously influenced the way that she handles everything in her current day. It's just for some reason, more than anyone else in their past, when she or anyone else mentions Lamar, it just hits me in a certain way. And I, I, I honestly think even though I've said this a million times, of course, I don't want, wish her to be back with Lamar. That ship has sailed a million times over. Da, da, da. Like, I still believe the love she had with Lamar is unlike anything she has ever had since then. I so agree. And also just to go back to the point about like, you know, we kind of view these things as seasons rather than life events. I do think that's something that the Kardashians do. And I find this specifically with Chris is that when they do talk about certain life events, especially if it happened like specifically last season on the show, when they're talking about it to each other, when they're talking about it during filming, they'll say last season. Like think about when Chris and Kim were talking about the fight between Corey and Kendall. Like they didn't say, oh, a couple of years ago when that happened. They put that into terms of the show. They said, oh, like I feel like they haven't spoken since Keeping Up With The Kardashians. It's been seasons since they've spoken. And so I think part of the reason that we kind of view their life as seasons rather than like their actual life events is a lot of times because it's also kind of how it's presented to us by their own word choice. But if I was them, I would do the exact same thing. Do you know how much easier it would be to recall when certain things happened in your life if you could do it based on like a season. Oh my <laughs> I, God. I constantly struggle to remember when certain things happened, when this was, and obviously we all have seasons of our lives, but to have all of that documented and then like put together perfectly in a bow, it's, it makes just documenting your life for your own self. I feel like so much easier. They're so lucky that they can Google their own life events. Do you know how much know. shit I wish I could have Googled to either remember it, remember the details, remember the fucking date, remember what happened in relation to what life event? Like the ability to just Google that and have that at your fingertips is miraculous. I know. I mean, that's why it's like a little bit separately, but I always say you never ever regret filming taking photos, any of that of your parents. Like you were 
always so happy to have it. And I feel like, I mean, I've always done that, but specifically after my mom died, I really started to do that with my dad, like partially because he's just so fucking cute. And I just love like (laughs) filming him, but also because I just love having that. I love being able to know that I can look back on that. I love knowing that it's timestamped to know when it was and all these days that blend together, like to have that tangibly is so, so, so special and something that I cannot recommend enough. Like even when there's nothing going on, if you just start filming, you'll never be upset to have that, to capture raw conversations, even not to share with anyone, just to have for yourself. There's something so special about that because at a certain point, unfortunately, our memories fail us. As much as you think you will always remember things as vividly as you do now, that's not the case. And so to have that is something I'm so grateful for and always will be. And so I, yes, I envy them in so many ways for being able to just pull up so much content of people that they love eternally. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Another great episode in the books. And I think that's it. We'll be back later this week for Bravo and we'll see you guys next week. We love you. Thank you for listening and letting us do this.